Hey, church family. Welcome back to the Leroy UMC podcast. We are so glad you took the time to listen. This week, we're continuing in our series titled A Generous Life. Let's go ahead and send it over to Pastor Matthias. Oh, friends, this morning we are continuing to celebrate our church's 190th anniversary this year. Uh, It was in 1831, the whole Methodist movement here in Leroy began. We are continuing to celebrate that, uh, and we are celebrating it by continuing to talk about uh, something that reading through the histories and I think even just walking down this hallway and seeing all the plaques we've got set up, something that's always defined this church family. Uh, Namely, we are talking about what it looks like to live a generous life, to serve, to give, to be Christ's hands in all sorts of ways. And as we continue to look at that this morning, our scripture reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 24 to 33. Friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than just clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry saying, what will I eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it's the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When it comes to money, most Americans either live in the anxious fear of never having enough or live in the unending want for more. A recent study I read by a consultant group in Montreal actually tried to put a number on it. Researchers found that based on their sample, about 77% of Americans feel anxious about their financial situation, while 58% feel like finances control their lives. When asked more specifically what it was about money and finances that made them so anxious, 56% of Americans said they were scared they wouldn't have enough to keep up with the cost of living, and 68% said they were afraid they wouldn't have enough 
to retire and feel secure, all of which is tragic. God did not intend for us to live our lives in fear or anxiety. However, what's interesting is that at the exact same time that so many Americans report being concerned about not being financially secure enough, not making enough, not having enough, many of us seem just as concerned about getting our hands on more stuff. Apparently about one in four American families outgrow their home in the first two years after buying it because that's how quickly the average American can fill a space with new stuff and new things. In fact, it turns out there's a virtual ocean of things that we're quick to buy and acquire, not so much because we need them, but because we want them. Get this, in 2020, we spent $11 billion on video games, $48 billion on recreational boating, $63 billion on firearms, $64 billion on luxury items, sports cars, jewelry, watches, whatever might fit into that category. It may seem like a bizarre contradiction, but when it comes to money and finances, most Americans either live in the anxious fear of not having enough or live in the unending want for more. Of course, my guess is that that's not necessarily all that surprising to many of us. We, we live in a consumer society. The pursuit of wealth and the pursuit of stuff is at the heart of our culture in many ways, and it always has been. Even way back when America was still a brand new country, when it was young, way back in 1835, a renowned French philosopher named Alexis de Tocqueville actually crossed the Atlantic, visited America to try and study and understand what it is that defines this new culture, this new society called the United States. And in the end, de Tocqueville said, Americans are extremely eager in the pursuit of immediate material pleasures and are always discontented with the position they occupy. One usually finds that the love of money is either the chief or a secondary motive at the bottom of everything the Americans do. That is one harsh observation, but you have to admit, even 200 years later, it's kind of hard to argue with that. Our culture is one that trains us to think that that next big purchase that we're dreaming of is the thing that will finally make us feel happy or will finally make us feel satisfied, even if tragically there's always one more thing. And our culture is one that teaches us to believe that earning a big paycheck or that hitting that one financial goal we have in mind is the thing that will finally make us feel safe and secure, even if that goal keeps moving further and further away. And as we run around striving after all of that wealth and after all of that want and all of that security, so many of us find ourselves trapped either in our fear of scarcity or in our hunger for luxury. When it comes to money, most Americans live in the anxious fear of not having enough or in the insatiable want 
for more and so tragically spend much of their lives serving mammon. Now mammon, I'll admit, is a word that I'm guessing most of us have probably never heard before, but that's the word that Jesus uses there in Matthew 6, in that passage, for wealth. Mammon is an Aramaic word that means money, riches, property, or profit, but always with a really strong negative connotation in Scripture. In fact, there's one place in Luke 16 where that word mammon actually gets translated as dishonest wealth. But more than just being bad wealth, mammon is more like the personification of wealth, money and greed as a, as a power or as a spirit. In other words, in Scripture, mammon is the spirit of insatiable want for riches, possessions, profit. Mammon is an idol waiting to entice you and more than capable of possessing you. And it's incredibly significant that that is the word for money or wealth that Jesus chooses to use in this passage. It's because Jesus is making a point, I think, not just about greed or about insecurity. In general, he's making a point about wealth's ability to possess us sometimes, to control us, to rule us, to even become like a god over us. And the biggest way that mammon, that that idol of wealth, so often gets to so many of us is through that fear of never having enough or through that insatiable want that never has enough. But the thing is that while mammon pushes us to stockpile in fear or to consume in want, Christ invites us to serve a very different master to live in a very different kind of way. You cannot serve God and mammon, wealth, Jesus tells us, because while mammon pushes us to strive for the illusion of security and the temporary thrill of consuming, God invites us to strive for something much more real, something that gives real peace and a lasting sense of purpose. That's what's really going on beneath that famous lesson that I'm guessing we've all heard about the birds and the lilies. Christ is addressing that fear of security and that want for more that so often rule us. Look at the birds of the air, Christ tells his disciples, and the lilies of the field. They don't sow or reap, yet God feeds and clothes them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Now let's be honest, an important point, at face value, that may be the worst financial advice that you could ever hear. Not only do the birds and lilies of the field not have college tuition payments and mortgage payments to make, but to be honest, failure to plan for tomorrow is part of the reason why so many of us end up in bad financial troubles. But the thing to remember about this famous passage is that Jesus' metaphor about the birds and the lilies isn't written in factual prose. It's written in poetry. 
verses 25 to 32 of that passage are not meant as literal financial directives. They're poetry. It's this grand metaphor and this grand image that's meant to lift our eyes, if only for a second, up from all the fears and wants that keep us trapped in order to show us just a glimpse of what a life free from fear and free from want could and can look like. Yes, we all want to feel safe. We all want to feel secure and protected from all the dangers and tragedies of this world. As Henry Nouwen observed, Jesus knows our need for security and he is concerned that because security is such a deep human need, we do not misplace our trust in things or people that cannot offer us real security. We all want to feel safe, but so long as we rely on our bank account to be the thing that is going to save us, we will always live in the fear of never having enough. No matter how rich you may become, no amount of money can keep you safe from tragedy, from loss, from hardship. We are always vulnerable and imperfect in this life. But the good news is that no matter how vulnerable we may be, or how well or how poorly our bank account may fare from day to day, we can still find peace still be content with our life, can still feel hopeful about tomorrow, not because we have such vast sums of wealth to face tomorrow with, but because like the birds and lilies of the field, we know the one who will face tomorrow with us. We place our trust in the God who gave us life and in the promise of the Savior, who says that he will walk beside us into every tomorrow and whatever tomorrow may bring, because it's that trust that, as Paul put it in Philippians, is the secret of being content in any and every situation. And at the same time, yes, we all know what it's like to feel the urge to want to spend, to want to go on a shopping spree, to buy, to own, to possess, but we all know somewhere in the back of our minds that the satisfaction that comes from buying and owning never lasts. We have money and resources, but not so that we can go on trying to feed our endless want for more. No, the real good news that Christ is trying to tell us is that we have resources so that we can have an impact so that we can leave a mark, make a legacy that matters, so that we can build a glimpse of the kingdom come in somebody's life. Adam Hamilton tells the story of a man who once gave millions of dollars to establish a new university in Texas and who not long afterwards lost almost everything. And someone later asked him if he regretted giving so much to that new university, to which the man replied, that school is the only lasting thing I've done with my money. If I had kept all those millions, I probably would have lost that too. But now, instead, there is something real to show for it. 
the issue of wealth management as Christ sees it isn't so much how best we can accumulate, but how best we can create. Create a loving home for the ones that God has entrusted us with. Create happy Christmas mornings for neighbors who may not have enough. Create after-school programs, backpack programs, create habitat houses, create a second chance and a new start for someone. Because rather than letting the things we own own us, rather than letting our spending consume us, rather than letting the money we possess possess us, the good news is we get to use our money to build a kingdom. And that's just the thing when you get down to it. That may be the real good news behind all of it. Our money doesn't have to be the cause of fear and endless want. We don't have to live in the endless worry of not being secure enough or live in the unending want of never getting enough like everyone else. We don't have to serve mammon even if 60%, 77% of Americans might. But in the mind of God and in the hands of Christ, money can actually become the cause of wonders, a tool of joy, an instrument of miracles breaking loose all around us. There's a strange joy, an excitement, a thrill in giving and in serving that owning and wanting can just never hope to match. When we ask ourselves, what ministry do I want to support? We should feel like children on the playground asking, what game do I want to play first? Should I give someone who's food insecure the thrill of a pantry stuffed with groceries? Or should I buy a bunch of amazing toys to give some child the Christmas morning of their lives? Or should I help someone with their hospital bill, a utility bill, and see them smile knowing they have space to breathe? Or do I have the funds to do multiple things? Can I do a little bit of all of it? There's a childish joy we get to feel when we use our resources to be generous and to make glimpses of God's kingdom real in the lives of others, whatever ministry that may be, whatever cause that might look like. Yes, it's true. When it comes to money, most Americans today live in either the anxious fear of never having enough, enough security, enough financial peace, or else live in the insatiable want for more more things, more luxury, more for me. And in striving after all of the shiny toys and security of wealth, they sometimes spend their whole lives serving mammon. But the good news is that isn't our story. That isn't how we are called to live. We get to be servants of God we get to trust and feel a lasting peace like birds of the air. We get to create and feel joy like lilies in the field. In the end, we get to build glimpses of a kingdom with the generosity we show. And thanks be to God for it.
Amen. Friends, please pray with me. Holy God, help us to serve you and to strive for your kingdom in all things. Lord, when we feel ourselves starting to worry about our lives, about our incomes, about not having enough, help us to remember that life is not meant to be lived in fear but in trust. Life is about learning to trust and follow you and to let our hearts be still. When we feel ourselves starting to want more and more, wanting new luxuries we don't need, wanting new toys that will make us happy for a day, Lord, help us to remember that life is not meant to be about consuming, but about serving, about loving. Life is about reaching out in joy to give and to make your joy and peace real in the lives of our neighbors. Lord God, give us a vision of your kingdom to strive after in this place and in our lives, that in giving we might receive and in serving we might worship you. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Again, we want to thank you for listening. From us here at Leroy UMC, God bless and keep you safe this week. Go in peace.